Everyone's got opinions when it comes to leadership. And let's be honest, how many experts do we all know? But where can we find real leadership advice that's not BS? Well, look no further. Welcome to No BS Leadership, where on each episode, we attempt to expose the gap between what leaders think they should be doing and what actually works. Listen in as we irritate some, inform others, and challenge all leaders to discover a better path to the leadership excellence we all want. Dr. Sam, my my wife says that quilts are better than duvets. And I said... better than duvets. Quilts are better than duvets. She told me that the other day. And I said, you better be careful making blanket statements like that. Where are you getting these? I was going to say... Where are you getting these? Yeah, I don't have a yeah, dad keep that body. source material to yourself and just keep bringing it out. Make I don't everybody have a, grow and really yeah, enjoy uh, every minute of it. I don't have a dad bod. It's a father figure. <laughs> All right, friends. We are, as you may have guessed on the calendar, a few strides, 20 to 23. And we are into our businesses, into our works, trying to figure some things out. And we've spent the last two episodes talking about planning and what we're looking at. So that's good ideas, good thoughts about what we can do. And it seems to be a consistent flavor for me that everybody wants to add something like, I'm going to start doing this. I'm going to continue this. I'm going to build on that. There's only so much time in a day. And when we, mostly U.S. Americans, think that we are so busy so much of the time, yeah, we're going to add something. Either we're full of gooey nonsense and we're not busy or something's got to give. So I want to focus a little bit about what's going to give. What are we going to quit? And what I want to ask you guys about is in your experiences with your organizations, whether it was a business you ran or your employee of, did you ever get to a point, and if you did, how'd you get there, where you decided we're done doing something? And you quit doing whatever the behavior was. So anybody have that experience that you can pull from and you just stop doing something? I have a couple back in my banking days Sam, in fact, I think we've, I don't remember which episode it was. We talked a little bit about it, that I I became the chief executive of a small community bank that was under a seven article cease and desist order from the office of the comptroller of the currency. And so on day one, I had a list of seven things we were immediately going to stop. And it was easy, right? The government said, you stop doing these things. And then we implemented the stopping process. It's not that there's a, when you have a machinery running, Unlike our cars, if you want to stop your car, you just turn it off. But that's not really true, right? You, if you're moving, you have to step on the brake and get it to stop moving. And then you have to put it from drive into park and then you have to turn it off, right? There's a process to stop things. And so in business, the same kind of thing. If there's something like, man, we're doing this and we're losing money or it no longer aligns with our mission or we lost the key people that were championing this program and therefore we're suspend or stop the program, there's a process. Sometimes it's small and sometimes it's really big on how to actually stop the things that that need to stop. Now, in the case of my example with the bank, I had a clear list. I didn't have to go search for those things that, that we needed to quit. The government said, quit these things. So that part was a little easier. But in other companies, that I took over, you, you had to find the things. Here's First, let's make a list of all the things we do, then figure out which ones are in alignment with our mission and our vision and our values. 
which ones are making money, which ones aren't, that kind of stuff. And then you can find the things that you should stop. Then you have to think about the process you have to go through if you are going to stop and that kind of stuff. Long answer to your short question. Yeah, I started out with a list of seven and we got them shut off right away. Yeah, when you're getting a and not so gentle recommendation from the federal government. You have a plan to then enact those very quickly. Yes. It's a little more priority, right? Yes. And not so gentle recommendation. Yeah, there wasn't yeah. anything gentle about the gentlemen that were in the bank. <laughs> Nothing gentle about them. Yeah, they looked very scary. I was trying to think of this, Sam, but it was interesting. I just worked with an organization and they were putting a, together their strategic plan. And one of the things that they asked me to address was what are the things that they're going to let go of? And in terms of personally and for the group, like what do we need to let go of that's not serving us and they're keeping us, what are the things that are actually keeping us from reaching where we want to be? And do we as an organization need to start saying no to more things? Because they they had this realization that they said yes to everything. And they suddenly realized, Realize, wait, when we say yes to something, we're saying no to a lot of other things. Yes. And so we have to do those, set those boundaries. And for them, it wasn't, it, they were things that were still helpful, that were helping the community that were doing, that were fulfilling some of their mission, but it wasn't allowing them to be as specific and as impactful as they could be. If they started to turn a, a couple of things down, they could focus more energy on the things that actually produced more results. So we had a pretty good conversation about that. So I think it, it depends. I'm, I can't give any specific examples, but the organizations that do that say, what are we going to give up? What are we willing to cut? Not necessarily cut. I don't like that word, but we're willing to say, we're not going to do this anymore so that we can focus our energy on the things that produce the best results for our team, for our shareholders, or whoever it is that, that we decide is going to be the biggest benefactor. And a lot of times that could be in terms of building community and hey, let's get rid of this crappy machine that makes terrible coffee and actually put in a really nice espresso bars so that we can actually be fully caffeinated. That to me sounds like a win on any given day. You know, yeah, sorry, you had no verbal. What, what say you, Fred? Just real quick, last episode that you talked about when Roger Gertis asked me, how many services do you provide? And I said, 83. And that was because people, were, we were the largest nonprofit in the area. And people would come right. to us and say, can you do this? And we, so we absorbed not this nonprofit and we absorbed this nonprofit and we did this and we took this grant money, even though we don't really do this. But our mission <laughs> was tiny. This was our mission to serve people, to clothe people, to house people, to feed people. That's what we did. We went off on tangents. And so to come back when we, when Roger said, what do you do really well? And do you do them all really well? And I went, no. So it really was that opportunity for the staff to come together and say, okay, we need to, let's refocus. Let's bring ourselves back. It's hard to do, but we we did it. We were able to do it. And we were still able to serve as many people. So yeah, that's a great question. Yeah. So Uh, one of the things that I've... Oh, Mary, please jump in. This is where I can put on my real estate hat and tell you, I was not successful in real estate until I started saying no. Started saying no to boundaries, in other words knows I had, I needed to set up boundaries. No to people that were, they were not pre-approved. I like to say, I I figured out what their DNA, their desire, their need, and their ability. They Mm -hmm. passed that DNA. Then I, I don't like to turn anybody down, but it's not doing anybody good. And as an agent chasing the buck will literally 
burn you out faster than anything else. It will yes. literally burn you out. And so I had, I had to say, I had to learn to say, I probably am not the agent for you. I wish you well. This is my advice. If you're really serious, I would go here and here. Make sure that you are ready to buy a house. They'd say, I, but I just want to look. I get that. That's what they have open houses for. Oh, you know, yeah. I, I, in oh, a nice no, way. Right. Yeah. No, you're right. It's, right. It's that's why they have open houses. That's it's a lot cool. of misconceptions on how real estate agents get paid. A lot of some people think we get mm-hmm. paid every time we show a house. They don't realize we don't get paid till we show up at a closing. So making those boundaries, saying no, as you were saying, you got to stop doing this so that I enjoy my life again. Quite frankly, so that's my two cents worth. In that context of saying no and thinking through how we want to move forward, I've noticed a few things a trend from some of my clients, and they talk about some of the C-suite folks, usually those that have financial in their title, may ask a question: "Does this make us money?" Yeah. And you get shivers and nervousness when your whole human resources team says, "No, we don't make us money. We just don't have the income structure." So. I bring that up because while it's a metric, is it the metric or is it even a good metric? And I've been pondering this for a couple of days. And one of the things y'all know by now, I like my metaphors. So let's assume you got a car, you want to make the car better. So if you look at every single feature of the car and ask, does this make the car go faster? If it's a no, do you cut it? Brakes don't help a car go faster. You kind of want those. Seats? Nope. But you have to have at least one for somebody to sit in, right? You cut the rest? Nope. But AC, heating, seat belts, safety features, you don't cut them just because it doesn't make the car go faster. You have to have the whole process, whole operation. So kind of thinking about things going into our new plans, things to cut, baseline isn't, does this make us more money? It's, does this make us a better organization? So I get that point. And Friends who are listening and can't see what we're seeing, Conroy is having a out-of-body experience with his 49ers who are apparently doing well enough to elicit cheers and fist pumps in the Conroy residence. And being respectful. <laughs> so as we think about things to cut, like whether we should or should not have our attention split in two between football and podcasting, it's your call. But here's some ways to think about where you're headed and where you want to cut it. Is the thing you're doing imperative? Is it absolutely mission-driven and part of your values and vision for your organization? If it's imperative, it's a keeper. Is it important? Okay, now it's different than imperative. Is it something you feel like you should do, could do, or must do for the organization? Is it, again, more of a keeper, but maybe there's some flexibility there? And then the last one, just to refer reason, is it optional? And so if you're listening to this and you're wondering, why would we have anything optional on the list? The question is good. There's a lot of things that get added to the to-do list. They're added because somebody has a pet project or they think they see a need. They don't have data to back it up. So they just go and do. And it's not really driving the, the needle towards your goals. So is it optional? Is it a, maybe even a feel good that really doesn't make anybody feel good? We have bean bags for everybody in the office when we have our office space. Does anybody care? Does it, it does even matter. If it doesn't matter, then at the thing. So those are the three bits, imperative, important, or optional. So ask the group, as you think about or have thought about in the past, whether you should or shouldn't be doing something for your organization, first of all, do these three things ring true for you? And secondarily, what did you feel like when you found something was more optional than not 
and you had to deal with the letting go. And you got to that a little bit. You know, when you were you talking about your metaphor, the first thing that came to my mind is your money is a result, not a reason. Yeah. It's a result. It's not a reason. And so if you got to know what your reason is, be, and then the money will come. If everything mm. points to your reason, yes, the money will come. Yes. And that, does that mean you need sloppy bookkeeping? No, it doesn't. Just don't make that your measure of success. Yes. Perfect. A measure, not the measure. Yes. Like it's a result. It's not a reason. I was just going to say, it's a result yeah. of doing well, of a successful yeah. business plan. Yeah. One of the, I agree with you totally, Myra. One of the, one of the things of uh, three separate companies that I got hired to be the CEO of, three of these particular three were all struggling financially very bad. One of, one of them was the bank that you've heard me talk about under the cease and desist order. They not only had that issue, but they weren't making any money either. Surprise, but not making any money. I think during the interview process and, and after they hired me, I would say this to everybody and it became part of our thing that, that if we do the right things for the right reasons, the money will c- take care of itself. If we focus on making money, we're going to end up doing the wrong things and we're not going to make any money. So do the right things for your company and for its people for the right reasons. The motivation has to be pure and the money will take care of itself. Yep. There's a song in the music man about a particular company who I won't name, but if you know the music man of the company who brings packages and delivers them to people from River um, City, their method was to make money. And so they started creating accounts for people to make the money. It's like you said, Guy, if you're focused on the purpose, those kinds of things don't happen. You don't get cease and desist letters because you're focused on the service, not the bottom line. You make it another fleet of Lamborghinis for the president CEO. Absolutely. And you guys aren't probably old enough, but I am, to remember when companies had long-term plans and now we're in into a an era, if you will, of make it good for the shareholders. So short-term results, it doesn't matter what it costs. It has to get the shareholder results. And I mean, there's a lot of companies that fall into that and, until it's almost becoming a way of life for the, the corporate world anymore. They don't think, and Simon Sinek just addresses this so well. It's your people are what are the most important. What? And anyway, but it, when you look at, look at Enron and all the fancy bookkeeping and all that kind of stuff, just to show a profit, even though it's undermining the purpose and the profit of the company that it's, I just think that's a real issue right now. And fancy bookkeeping, maybe or maybe not criminal negligence. Maybe it's more than just fancy pants <laughs> stuff. There's actual insidious yuck happening as well. So I want to talk about the things that get cut just for a minute. Because Jeff Barrett touched on this, and I stumbled across a really bad question to get there. But when you cut something, especially if you've got some heart and soul in it, it's difficult to not appreciate the off-ramp and to say, okay, let's not make us money. Let's not do it for us anymore. We're just going to cut it. Somebody's job is either tied to it or has an involvement in it. So I like the term sunsetting. I really appreciate that term where it's, okay, we know what's going to happen. It's coming down the road. Here's how it's going to look. but I would prepare for it. How do we get ready to set this thing away? And the thing has been going on for how long, not being effective. Probably not necessarily cut it instantaneously anyway. Probably okay to wind it down and make it part of the process. And there's actual humans involved here. This is a little bit of a lean management kind of approach as well. 
Most people don't need that necessarily. Maybe retraining and applying their skills to their space that does need some assistance instead of just saying we're cutting this or we're cutting y'all too. There's been news recently about a particular gigantic corporation that makes gigantic piles of money for one individual cutting 18,000 jobs. Yeah, cut 18,000 jobs and then do what? Hire 20,000 in three more months? I mean, no, he goes into space. He goes into space. Yeah. So well, anybody else have any comments on the off-ramping of stuff? When you do make that cut, how's it look? How's it feel? Don't do it at Christmas. Yeah. Don't do it at Christmas. I think that uh, it's unfortunate Christmas comes at the end of the year. It's just, it's unfortunate, but you didn't know about it starting December 1st. You didn't know about it starting December 1st. So don't do it at Christmas. It's, that's one of the cruelest things that happened to, to, and to my family. We got notice the 24th of December that he wouldn't have a job the 1st of January. Merry Christmas to you too. Oh, and right. by the way, here's a turkey. I just think that is one of the cruelest things you can do. And by the way, that's a tactic that a lot of corporations use to make the end of the year look better. Mm-hmm. So that they're, right. so they're showing a profit. So their shareholders are happy. That's, I think that will come back to bite you in the butt. You've got to have some compassion for free people or you're going to run through them like water. Yeah. Right. As an example, I, we typically don't name companies. I've noticed sometimes Google or Alphabet, whichever or the organization you're talking about, stops doing things on occasion. Typically though, they will say, as of this future date, we will stop supporting this thing. Here's what we're doing instead, or here's how you can migrate your information. Start planning now because in this future date, we're going to lop it off because they know it doesn't work for them. Because they also know that off ramp is necessary. They're going to sunset it. And so all users, all participants need to have a chance to plan for it. And I agree, Myra. Most times, most things that people cut, it's a long term plan or it's a short term reaction to an immediate need, but it's not strategic. It's just, oh, okay, here's a quick way to make a buck. Boop, things are cut. And if you can avoid any of that abruptness, I would recommend it. It goes back to, we're taking some liberty here. We're not sitting in the boardroom of these multinational, multi-billion dollar companies. So we're taking some liberties here, but but I, but I agree with you. It goes back to the uh, do the right things for the right re- reasons with the right people, I suppose you could add in there and the money will take care of itself. And you're right. My, my question becomes when you see these big layoffs with 18,000 people, or maybe you're leading a small company and you need to let go of one or two, is that First of all, what what's really causing that? Did you creep away? Did mission creep is what I'm thinking about. Did you creep yep. away from your mission and you added these people and now you can't figure out how to pay for them? Or is it some other issue? And Usually, I think when you see these big layoffs, they're focused solely on the money, nothing else. And so they, they reduce personnel expense by sending 18,000 people home, whether they're doing it on Christmas. And I agree with you, Myra, that's a horrible time to do it. Not that there's a, from the employee's perspective, there's no good time to do it, but they doing that just to save the money or have they made some strategic or other missional change in their company? And here's what I've noticed. When you see those big layoffs, the companies just keep doing what they were doing before. Now they're just doing it with less people. And so that, that tells me, and maybe Twitter is a great example. Mr. Musk is has got rid of lots of people at Twitter and they're still doing what they were doing before in terms of their actual business. So how did their mission creep and all that kind of stuff? 
goes into that. And why are you firing these people? Just if you're solely doing it just because of the money, which it might be a valid reason if you're facing bankruptcy, it isn't going to work to make your business successful because th- that it takes more than that to, to be successful. So as we wind down this episode and thinking again about strategic planning, if something's going to be added, either are you adding more humans to make that thing work or are you taking something away that maybe doesn't necessarily need doing? Observe that. Is that thing imperative, important, or optional? And the optional part gets questionable because people have a lot of things invested, time, emotion, even resources. Okay, if you're going to cut something, then how to do that? Think about that strategically in terms of making that as smooth as possible because it's changed. And that's what people don't like much of, typically change. So try to make it as comfortable as possible in order to move through 2023 as meaningfully as possible. So with that, we have Myra, a trio of Jeffs, Geyer, Conroy, <laughs> McLaughlin, and me, I'm Dr. Sam. It's always fun, always a great time to chat. And uh, for the No More Leadership BS group, we're signing off. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the No Leadership BS podcast. If you have any stories, questions, or comments you would like to share with us, please email us at askus at leadershipbs.co. That's askus at leadershipbs.co. Don't forget to give us a five-star review so we can reach more people. Thank you so much, and tune in next time. We'll see you next. Oh.